blossoming, blossoming moment. Welcome everyone to the day I'm alive. I'm your host, Margaret Aberdeen. Spring has sprung and I trust you all had a magnificent weekend. My heartfelt gratitude to those who are listening to Today I'm Alive and for the testimonies I've been receiving, especially about last month's episode, which was dedicated to women for the celebration of International Women's Month and Mother's Day, with amazing guest speakers from all walks of life. As you know, I am not officially qualified to give any professional advice whatsoever. Though I have some background in psychology and have studied cognitive behavior therapy, I, I am only speaking of my insight and learning from my personal experiences and transformation. This morning, after my ritual walk around the river, with the sky still clothed in darkness, while sitting on the riverbank meditating with my eyes closed, a bright ray of light kept rotating in my head, engulfing the silence, the stillness of nature's mystic surroundings. I felt so lightweighted and more connected to myself and nature than I've ever done before. When I opened my eyes, the moon and stars, illuminated rays of light, were shimmering on the water. With my thoughts flowing like streams of water in the river, I felt a deeper, deeper sense of inner peace and calmness, serenity, gratitude and gratification for this era of my life connected to the source of who I truly am in the present light. My thoughts drifted back to scenes of the past when my life was shrouded in darkness. Not too long after giving birth to my first son, my marriage broke down. I was diagnosed with epilepsy, and being epilepsy was a taboo, I did not allow it to leak out. I had no extended family in London, I was a single mother doing all the inherited intuitive things a mother does, along with meeting the emotional, physical, and material needs of my son. On top of that, I was working as a freelance fashion journalist and a sub-editor at a publishing company. Yes, I was society ideal, strong, independent, full-time, wage-earning, juggling, self-sacrificing, single supermom working my butt off to provide a home for my son and myself. There's an African proverb that says, it takes a village to raise a child. So true. I was the sole provider. I had to be on autopilot 24-7. Phew. Now you know where my book, Priceless Rules of a Mother, stems from. Okay, let's be honest. Juggling too many roles causes one to become very exhausted, like a hamster on a wheel. I work every day outside the home, including weekends while my son was visiting his father. I hardly had any me, myself and I time. As time prevailed, I felt like an overheated car engine about to explode. I became very ill and started having continuous epileptic seizures. Occasionally, I woke up to find myself strapped in an ambulance or in a hospital. I was unaware that I was heading for a mental breakdown. All my suppressed childhood traumatic emotions were catching up with me. Oh, I needed someone to lean on, someone to comfort me, which I never, never had during my childhood days growing up in an abusive household. I didn't know where to go to seek help, who to turn to. 
I had no one, no one to look after my son. Yes, feeling vulnerable and isolated from the rest of the world, a Prince Charming came galloping into my life to rescue me with treasures of charisma, compassion, attentive and kindness. All of what I was hungry for as a child. Eventually he turned into a toad, a Prince Harmin. Some memories of this part of my life are so ambiguous, distorted and fragmented. To this day, I don't know how I got pregnant, lost my home, separated from my first son and ended up in Enugu, Nigeria with Prince Harmin. A narcissistic, controlling, abusive ex-partner who almost killed me which instigated the tragic, tragic loss of my second son. Later, I discovered from doctor's note that I had transient amnesia, a memory lapse that can be a main symptom of epilepsy. Or my subconscious mind has blocked or rubbed it out to protect me because it was so painful. Some people say Prince Harmin may have done some voodoo on me or put something in my food. I don't know. I just can't remember. I still shudder when I remember those horrendous, horrendous dark thoughts that stand out in my mind. Particularly during the traumatic incident in Nugu, Nigeria, while pregnant, Prince Hammond slapped me on my face, punched and kicked me in my stomach and spat on my face. My life hit rock bottom. What could I do? Who could I turn to? Where should I go? I had no home to return to in London. This bear tugged at my heart. I had never felt so trapped. I had no means of contacting anyone back in London. How could I escape? It was the darkest point of my life. Defenseless and powerless. The mental anguish and the pain were unbearable. It was a nightmare. I no longer wanted to exist in this world. It is one of the most desperate and darkest times in my life. I wanted to erase everything, everything in my life from the horrifying nightmare of my traumatic, abusive childhood and adulthood relationship. Of course, thoughts of suicide were swirling around in my mind. Why wouldn't they? In that moment, I thought taking my own life was the only way to stop the tremor of the terrifying emotional pain. I just wanted to end the pain and suffering. Echoing Megan, the Duchess of Sussex story in Harry and Megan's Oprah 2021 interview. I just didn't want to be alive anymore. Yes, I also felt overwhelmed and trapped and couldn't get help. All my confidence, self-esteem and personality were beaten out of me. In the middle of nowhere, there was nowhere to run. It was dark, inescapable. I could not live with myself any longer. I just wanted to die. You can read the rest in Priceless Rules of a Mother, Chapter 3, My Journey as a Mother, available from Amazon. Hold on, hold on a second. That familiar whisper, my inner tutor, is nudging me to just get on with it and tell you why I didn't commit suicide. That was blunt. I can hear some of you winch. I'm in shock and I'm sure you are too. It can be hard to think about suicide, much less talk about it. Talking about suicide is a stigma, a taboo, a no-zone area. 
similar to how mental depression and domestic abuse were swept under the carpet or locked in the closet. Many people shy away from the subject, finding it frightening, even impossible to understand. Before criticism comes into full swing, and for everyone, and especially highly emotional and sensitive people about this topic, I am not here to scare you. I am here to share my own personal experience, why I didn't commit suicide, and how I decided to no longer be a prisoner of my dark memories, and to restore those who are experiencing these emotions that they are not alone. There's a lot of help and resources out there, like the Samaritans, which helped me a lot. If this episode is too hard-hitting, you can either switch off or keep listening. For those who can, I know it may be hard right now, but if you can, just hang in there. Keep listening. It's funny how our mind works when the prevalence of stigma and discrimination towards people with mental health issues. I read somewhere that suicide is preventable, but to prevent it, we must drag it out of the darkness into the spotlight and talk about it. Not talking about it would not make it go away. That is not the way to help those experiencing these emotions. This just feeds the stigma and the shame. We will never, never heal. The world needs to hear stories from others who have had suicidal thoughts or attempted suicide for us to heal. For many years, I tried to bury these deep, dark memories as much as I can go. I did not want anyone to know. I was raised as a Roman Catholic. So much of my tendency to bury sad or negative feelings stem from these early lessons of guilt and sin. Similar to what Prince Harry is experiencing after the publication of his book's Pierre, which I am presently reading. I was terrified to talk about it for fear of the brutality of society and others as to how I would be judged, criticized and thrown upon. That I am a coward, selfish and attention seeker. Now, let me be totally honest. I almost died three times. We waste so much time caring about what other people think and say. I have no time to beat around the bush. I did not survive to moan or groan about past trauma or being a victim of my past. My heartfelt, passionate mission is to share and help others transform their trauma, to rise like the phoenix, to live a meaningful and purposeful life. Until we have seen someone's darkness, we don't really know who they are, as Mariam Williamson wildly says in her book, Return to Love. We are so preoccupied with judging ourselves and others, trying to be the super perfect image that society and we envision ourselves to be. We hold ourselves back from expressing the choices and mistakes we made, the guilt and the shame we feel for fear of what others will think. Well, I got some hot press news for you. I am not a super perfect human being. I am not what society program or I myself expected to be as a human being. In this unapologetic, silver-haired age of my life, 
I do not give a damn as to how others may judge or criticize me. I am super consciously feeling this overwhelmingly burning passion to follow what's in my heart and have no intentions of being mentally constipated or being a victim or prisoner of my past. Speaking the truth with wisdom and compassion, which most of us are not courageous and brave enough, or better still, have the guts to do so, I choose to be the voice for the voiceless. Phew! Now that I've got this off my chest, let's get cracking on why I didn't commit suicide. Here goes. The brain and mind are connected. The brain thinks, the heart feels. All I wish others to know is suicidal thoughts or attempted suicide is not a cowardly, selfish or attention-seeker way out. No one will ever understand a person's mind when she or he is experiencing horrific, horrific traumatic issues. Like a child stuck in a black hole, frantically, frantically looking for help. A feeling of loneliness, pain and distress, like there's no way out, no one to turn to. How terrible it is to feel that way. In that dark moment, your mind is trapped in emotional pain that you don't think of your kids, family and friends. And the effects it would have on them. The trauma of that emotional pain is so horrific. You just wanted to stop. You just wanted to switch it off. You just want to leave this world. Of course, it's probably to end your pain and suffering too. But mostly from experience, I would say it's driven by a screwed perception of protecting the people you love. You do not want to burden them with your pain and suffering. I have never, never really spoken about this. One of my siblings committed suicide. I spoke to her four hours before she made the decision to take her own life. It tore a hole in my heart. It causes so much pain, guilt, anxiety and fear in my family. We never, we never know how, what emotional pain our loved ones are holding on to. You know the old saying? If only she had reached out, I could have helped her. Up to this day, I wonder what was her last thought before she made her decision. I don't agree with her decision, but I get it. I miss her, but I will never judge her for what she did. How could I, when I also know what it feels like to be suicidal, when I also know how it is to feel trapped and that life is worthless and blanketed in darkness. I don't know if any one of you read My Love Story by Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll, about her physically, mentally and sexual abusive marriage to Ike Turner. At one of her most desperate moments, Turner says she tried to kill herself during one of her and Ike's many tours, taking 50 sleeping pills one night before a show. She survived. And yet, her suicidal attempt wasn't a cry for help, she says. When I took those pills, I chose death. I chose it honestly. 
I was unhappy when I woke up. Before I continue, let me just pause for a few seconds to take several deep breaths. Of course, I am feeling emotional sharing these thoughts with you. Who wouldn't? As I said earlier, I am not a super perfect human being. Now, now to answer that question bluntly, why I didn't commit suicide. Here is what I can attest to. In life, you can only go forward like the wind and the river. With my thoughts continuous flowing like a stream of water in the river, this question made me realize that I had several answers. Number one, we are surrounded by trauma in the world particularly most recently, pandemic-related challenges. Studies have discovered that many people think about suicide at some point in their life. Oh, I wish I was dead. Many people say those words when something traumatic occurs in their life. It's just an expression. So during the darkest moment in my life, there were suicidal thoughts like clouds gliding in the sky in the moments of pain. They were not permanent. They were fleeting thoughts trying to relieve the emotional pain and to find the light in the darkest moments of my life. Number two, he who has a why to live for can bear with almost anyhow. This is a quote I plucked out from one of my favorite books, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frank. As a child growing up in a horrific, abusive environment, a seed was planted in me witnessing my mother being abused countless times by my alcoholic, abusive father. You see, there were things I wanted to do in life, especially inspiring women like my mother, who suffered domestic abuse to break free of domestic violence forever. Now, now that seed has grown into a tree, through traumatic storm bearing fruitful solutions for myself and helping Others courageously rise like the phoenix. Number three. If you recall what I said earlier about being in mental anguish. After many years of research and with the help of meditation, I now realize that it may have been spiritual anguish to seek a new way of life, to find greater meaning in life. In the book, Dare to Live, by Miriam Sobriana, points out, sometimes pain is like a messenger. It comes to warn us of danger and requires our attention. Or according to how you choose to respond, it can be a wake-up call to a rebirth of your true self and to re-examine areas of your life that have made you vulnerable to others. Those words ignited my thoughts about the near-death experience I had when my spirit surged out of my body during an emergency cesarean after Prince Harmon almost killed me. It seems my spirit was lost in the external world of darkness and was anxious, anxious to escape. As explained in episode 3, my spirit is my soulmate, pulled me towards the light in the present. Life wanted me back. I had a purpose to fulfill which was rooted in me as a child. Before I continue, let me clarify light and dark. 
The past is dark. The present is light. This is not about trying to turn the darkness into light. This is about letting go of the darkness and being the light. Number four. One of the highest forms of being the light is having the courage to not be a prisoner of my dark memories. Taking ownership by not blaming others for my thoughts and facing them without feeling shame, guilt or bad about myself. Our minds are like a garden and our thoughts are like the roots of a tree. The biggest, biggest mind opening is becoming aware that life is a series of choices. Every day we make choices, followed by making a commitment to take responsibility for changing our life stories. As I said in episode 9, our thoughts can make us sick. I choose to pluck out all the habitual, wasteful, wasteful thoughts that were like a mental diary and made me sick. To do so, I choose to take steps into the unknown and selfishly, selfishly flip the mirror on myself and go within. I choose to fill myself up first with love, acceptance, compassion, respect, forgiveness, gratitude and lots more to share the overflow with others. I choose to be the best version of myself and live internally with passion and commitment by being consciously aware and embracing the changes that are emerging in my life. I choose to be thankful, thankful for today I'm alive as my life is full of blessing, meaning and purpose and I'm living and feeling every meaning and blessing. I choose to acknowledge I escaped death and did not commit suicide because I was commissioned by the creator, the highest source, to do what I am doing right now. There are more answers to why I didn't commit suicide, but I choose to put a break on them. I have discovered whatever you are going through is part of your growing process to be who you are meant to be. You are whom you decide to become, to believe and commit to be. My core belief is everyone here is here because you are meant to be here. We are here to change the world, to make it a better world. Each of us has a unique gift to make to this world. That is our purpose. And when we are living that purpose, when we are giving our special gift to the world, we feel an abundance, abundance of inner peace and happiness. Oh, and here's the exciting, tingling part. Our darkest pain can be a doorway to finding out who we are and our ikigai, our life purpose. Our burning passion, breaking the balls and chains of the past mental constipation thoughts and overcoming whatever, whatever challenges, storms and obstacles you will encounter along the way. Mimicking what Victor Franken also stressed in his book, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning. He argued 
that life can have a meaning even in the most miserable of circumstances and that the motivation for living comes to finding meaning in life rather than the meaning of life. Most of the world's greatest teachers like Oprah Winfrey, Maya Angelou, Nelson Mandela, Dr. Wayne Dyer and others found their meaning in life from their traumas and are using them as transformational instrument for world change. They have overcome life challenges and made our world better because of what they have experienced. They have done it and so could you. Eka Tule, another great speaker and author of The Power of Now, had a traumatic, unhappy childhood and for many years he struggled with depression, anxiety and fear and even considered suicide. No matter how low you have sung, this is not the end of your story. It is just the beginning of a new chapter of your life. I know firsthand how hard, how hard it is to remove negative thought patterns. It's an uphill battle. The most important thing to remember is these feelings will pass. They are memories of past situation. So don't be too hard on yourself. Memories are the trail we left behind. It's how we deal with them that comes, says our late international spiritual teacher, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Like what I am doing, using trauma as a pillar of strength, even suicidal thoughts or attempted suicide, you can rebuild your life and your character by finding a greater meaning for the pain. And in order to do that, I have learned being mindful, meditating, connecting to nature and journaling are crucial, crucial methods to help you clean out the cupboards of your mind to be light. It is a process and with practice it is possible. You will find that in time you can turn your life around and help others going through the same struggles. As I'm approaching the end, a question just popped into my mind. What if I had committed suicide? Without hesitation, I can respond. I would not be alive to have a peaceful and loving relationship with my only surviving son, who will be 40 in a few months, and to see him grow into the man he is today, a caring and loving husband and father, meet his lovely wife and see my blossoming, blossoming grandson. I would not have written Priceless Rose of a Mother, available from Amazon, to help women, mothers, daughters, aunts and nieces to value themselves for the indispensable role they're playing in this world. I would not be the beacon of light for others and vice versa, met so many awesome people who are beacons of light in my life. I would not be here to celebrate with my silver heritage age of 68 years young with freedom, liberation and fun. Last but not least, I would not be hosting today I'm alive, using my story as a bridge, sharing all the tools, rewards and gifts for others to rise like the phoenix. Before I wrap up, and for those who have stayed tuned in and listened, I just want to leave these last few words with you. I have learned life is an opportunity and to seize every opportunity life gives you, whatever trauma you have been through, believe there was a reason for it 
It was sent to make you stronger, better, and more compassionate. And to heal. Feel the pain. Do not suppress it. Talk about it. Write about it. Shed tears about it. You're not alone. Let your friends, trusted family members, partner, or spouse know what you're going through. Open up to your loved ones can feel scary at first, but it may surprise you at how receptive they can be. You deserve to experience how great life can be, and you owe it to yourself and the world to be that positive change for others. Don't give up. You are worthy. You are more than worthy. You are priceless. You are light in the present. Your best is yet to come. Therefore, wrapping it up, I would like to emphasize again, all the contents of this episode are from my own personal experience and transformation. I am not advising anyone about suicide. If you or someone you know is considering suicide, help us out there. Reach out for the Nation Suicide Prevention Line at 0800-689-5652 or the Samaritan's Helpline can be reached at 116123. If someone is at immediate risk of self-harm, call 911 or your local emergency number and stay with them until help arrives. Finally, I really want you to know this. Today, today you're alive. Today is all you have. Make the most of it. Make it momentum. Make it worth remembering. Because you're worth it and you deserve it. My name is Margaret Aberdeen. Tune in next week for another rocketing episode of Today I'm Alive. Share with your friends and family and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. To hire me for talks and events, please email me at info at margaretaberdeen.com. Today I'm alive. Today I'm alive. And I'm feeling good.